Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Movie Dicks Podcast. I'm Gabriel Chavez. And I'm Paul Schendel. Today, we disinfect the site of the orgy that is 1979's Caligula. But first, this is a comedy podcast. If you have not seen the movie we're about to shit on and you want to avoid spoilers, stop now. But if you don't care about spoilers and want to laugh and learn why this movie sucks so bad, grab that giant gold-plated dildo and hold on to it for comfort as we shish-kebab this motherfucker to death. Without further ado, let's hand it over to Pablo Francisco. The graphic and shocking but undeniably tragic story of Rome's most famous Caesar, Gaius Germanicus Caligula. Before Rome, before Gladiator, the most controversial film of all time as you've never experienced it before. Starring Golden Globe nominee Malcolm McDowell, Oscar nominee Peter O'Toole, and Academy Award winners Helen Mirren and John Good. This unflinching look at the decadence of ancient Rome will startle and amaze you like no other film ever made. So that's kind of a combination of the IMDb synopsis and the back of the Image Entertainment special entertain or special edition Blu-ray disc. I thought it was so good. I was just like, wow, they're pitching it from the Rome slash Gladiator route. <laughs> like, wow. I feel bad for anybody that bought this sight unseen seeing that shit. But anyway, so this is a Penthouse Films International release through Felix Cinematographica Productions and released on Blu-ray through Image Entertainment. Penthouse Films, as you might have guessed, is the same company that produces Penthouse Magazine. They are a porn distributor. That's it. As for narratives beyond this movie, they did a 58-minute long fantasy horror anthology called Penthouse on the Wild Side from 1989 that features six erotic vignettes plus a music video of Madonna's nude photo shoot that she did for Penthouse and an excerpt of the making of Caligula. So if that's worth anything, that's that. But... (laughs) Felix Cinematographica is responsible for only three movies over the years. This, a PG-rated horror movie from 1969 called Fangs of the Living Dead, and a 1973 Western called Brothers Blue with Jack Palance. Image Entertainment is a releasing company for home video that has released 394 titles over the years, among them the excellent Sidley Lamont directed Before Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, Director Keith Gordon's horror classic Reanimator, the with the Left Behind alum Nicolas Cage vehicle adaptation that received an o- Oscar nomination for a man who doesn't exist called Adaptation, and Terry Gilliam's classic Time Bandits, the heartbreaking Robert De Niro movie Awakenings, The Vow, shit, I mean Johnny Mnemonic, I still cannot remember the name of this movie <laughs> for the life of me, as well as Andrew Nichols' excellent sci-fi Gattaca, the Cats alum Ray Winstone vehicle 44-inch chest, and No Holds Barred, the movie that starred Hulk Hogan and Tiny Lister. While Hulk's career would die and this movie would end up being an utter embarrassment, Tony or Tiny Lister before his death in December 2020 would be in Friday, The Fifth Element as President Lindbergh, and The Dark Knight as the tattooed prisoner who teaches people how to handle moral decisions with the fairy sequence. Anyway... I digress. 
Three people dildoed each other to produce this movie, and not in the fun way either. Bob Guccione, I think is how I'm going to say his name. Bob Guccione, a.k.a. the founder of Penthouse Magazine, Franco Rosalini, and Jack H. Silverman. The last two chose to have their names removed from the film. In addition to Penthouse Magazine, Bob produced nine movies over the years, including Federico Fellini's Bizarre City of Women, two video games called Virtual Photoshoot, and some movie called Low Ball starring former Penthouse model Amber Smith. By the way, Google a picture of Bob and tell me whether you would ever let this guy see you naked. I'm just saying, <laughs> like honestly, dude. <laughs> Franco Rosalini is the Italian line producer of Caligula, and he only did one movie after Caligula, Fellini's City of Women, which Bob also produced, and died in 1992. He also produced the Liz Taylor vehicle, The Driver's Seat, the Decameron, I don't know what that is, the Decameron, the 1969 film Medea, and a movie called Teorema, about a man who seduces each member of a bourgeois family and then leaves, leaving them in shambles. So, yeah, I, I, dude, that sounds like just an awful setup for a movie, like something that I would <laughs> never watch. But Jack Silverman was a money man, having only produced this movie. He has no other credits on IMDb, only this movie. This movie stars the insane actor Malcolm McDowell, Peter O'Toole, John Good. I don't actually know how to say his name. I think it's Guile Good, actually. And Helen Mirren, amongst a host of porn stars <laughs> and other actors who I just don't give a shit about. Malcolm McDowell was rightfully nominated and is most well-known for his performance in Stanley Kubrick's controversial masterpiece, A Clockwork Orange. He is, however, not a knight, as many may think. He refused knighthood in 1995. He's also been in 272 other movies and TV shows. Why would you shows. turn that down? I don't know. I don't know, dude. It's actually really weird. I couldn't find a reason why, but he turned it down in 1995, which I thought was interesting. Huh. But he's also been in 272 other movies and TV shows over the years and is constantly working at the age of 85 years old. Of the 153 movies he's been in, that's features, dude. 153 features. <laughs> he, was in, he was in Best Picture winner The Artist, Robert Altman's Incredible Everyone is in this goddamn movie called The Player, the Lindsay Anderson-directed If from 1968, which is incredible, by the way, Easy A with Oscar winner Emma Stone, The Book of Eli with Denzel Washington, proud shout-out to New Mexico Film, the excellent gangster number one with the tourist stall pa star Paul Bettany and Moreau alum David Thewlis, and Star Trek Gen Generations, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> on, on he loads up a sun and yeah. there's a giant <laughs> shot. Oh, shit. It's a good movie, man. Oh. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> on the TV side... He's in the problematic HBO TV comedy Entourage as Sloane's dad, Terrence, who verbally abuses Ari Gold, as well as the animated Star Wars Legends. He's also in some movie called Zombex with a 2.1 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh. Miss, Mr. Magoo. Is that with, worse than this movie? I don't know, dude. I don't even want to go near that. <laughs> Mr. Magoo with Leslie Nielsen, which is really fucking bad. Oh. And, and Rob Zombie's Halloween movies. John Guilgood won a Best Supporting Actor Oscar in 1982 for his work in the movie Arthur, 
and was nominated once previously for his work in the excellent 1964 movie Beckett, also with co-star Peter O'Toole. So contextualize this first guy for a second, all right? Or this guy for a second. He was nominated in 1964, right? 15 years later, he does this movie. And then three years later, he wins an Oscar for his work in the movie Arthur. And I'm just like, wow, what a career, man. <laughs> like, God damn. <laughs> Uh, amongst his 138 acting credits, he's been in the excellent Lion of the Desert, the powerfully performed Eraserhead alum David Lynch's film The Elephant Man, Best Picture and Best Actor winner Gandhi with the legendary Ben Kingsley, Orson Welles's Chimes at Midnight, Kenneth Branagh's brilliant Hamlet with Cats alum Judy Dench, Shine with Oscar winner or with an Oscar-winning performance by Jeffrey Rush, Elizabeth. Richard III, Chariots of Fire, and so, so many more. I just want to reiterate, this man was in a porno movie. I just want to reiterate that. <laughs> However, Sir John... It's good to have a diverse career. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't get it, dude. I don't get how this happened. But anyway, however, Sir John, he is a knight, by the way. He was knighted before this movie came out, so he really did the fucking uh, Kingdom <laughs> Proud there. Also, shit on his Oscar-winning performance by repeating said role in Arthur II on the Rocks with its 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb. He was also in perhaps the most boring and divisive Terrence Malick movie ever made called Knight of Cups, which I, I love Terrence Malick. You know this. But like I that movie, man, I've seen it once and I never, ever want to see it again. I was just <laughs> bored to tears. And same thing with Song to Song as well. Like I was bored to tears with that movie. But anyway, Helen Mirren, this leads us to Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren is a fucking legend. I love her to death. She won her Oscar in 2007 with her performance for The Queen, which cannot be overstated how brilliant she is in that movie. And like the previous two actors, has over 130 acting credits to her name. She was also appointed as a dame, so she is literally British royalty, like her co-star Sir John. She, however, got uh, she, however, got her damehood, or like I guess it is knighted as well when it's a dame. But anyway, she got knighted or whatever in 2007. So like long after this fucking movie came oh. out, which is kind yeah. of a good yeah. thing. Hopefully they forgot about that. Yeah, hopefully. But <laughs> she co-starred with Malcolm McDowell in 1973's Oh Lucky Man. She was in the extremely bizarre and rather pretentious NC-17 rated movie, The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover, which does not feature full penetration, unlike this movie, <laughs> the, the Long Good Friday <laughs> with Mario Brothers alum Bob Hoskins, <laughs> Trumbo with Breaking Bad star Brian Cranston, The Excellent Eye in the Sky by Gavin Hood, and the Academy Award winning Gosford Park and the Madness of King George as well. However, her stains include the Red movies with Bruce Willis. That's Red 1 and 2 with John Malkovich as well. 2010, The Year We Make Contact, National Treasure, Book of Secrets, Fast and Furious 8, Hobbs and Shock, <laughs> Collateral Beauty with Bad Boys for Life alum Big Willie, Raising Helen, Arthur with the syphilis-infested cod piece known as Russell Brand, <laughs> which is actually a remake of that other movie, Arthur, that her co-star Sir John won his Oscar <laughs> for, but besides the point, Love Ranch, shameful New Mexico shout-out here, 
the <laughs> completely wasted opportunity that is Winchester and her terrible directorial effort, Happy Birthday with Andy McDowell. Side note, that movie Winchester, I was kind of looking forward to it because, like, the story of Winchester and his wife, like, going nuts and, like, him building that house that, with all the, like, trap doors and, like, hallways that lead nowhere with all the fucking ghosts that she was seeing and shit is an mm. awesome story! But they <laughs> fucked it up, man. They fucked it mm. up so badly. Anyway... This leads us to Peter O'Toole. I will make references throughout this episode that O'Toole claimed he had no idea that this was a porn movie with hardcore sex scenes in it, but I do not believe for a second that he did not know. More on that later. He, like McDowell, refused the knighthood in 1987 due to personal and political reasons. That's it. That's all he gave, which, again, refused the night. reason, at least. I <laughs> yeah, I don't know what Malcolm McDowell is. a piece of shit. Uh, right. <laughs> don't believe in monarchy. I mean, 1987, wouldn't that have been Margaret Thatcher, yeah, if I remember yeah, correctly? Yeah, Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to refuse it under Margaret Thatcher, for sure. Anyway, he was nominated for a stunning eight Oscars over his career, but never won one before his death in 2013. He has 99 acting credits to his name, but everyone knows him as Lawrence of Arabia. He was also in The Lion in Winter with Sir John, Ratatouille as esteemed food critic Anton Ego, <laughs> which he's great and I love his voice yeah. in that movie. He was in Beckett, also with Sir John, Bernardo Budalucci's Best Picture winner, The Last Emperor, the excellent Stardust with Robert De Niro and Cats alum, Sir Ian McKellen, the problematic Troy with Brad Pitt and former co or former star Eric Bana, the excellent Venus, which he looks like an animated corpse in, and the excellent film adaptation of Lassie from 2005. He is also in some movie called Diamond Cartel two years after his death with its 3.0 out of 10 on IMDb. Decline of an Empire. Uh, <laughs> is that like a, uh, oh God, Revenge of the Pink Panther movie or whatever where they just took all the footage of him from previous things uh, and edited no. it together posthumously. No, no, he actually was in this movie in his, like, uh -huh. you know, old self or whatever. But anyway, uh, he, he was also in a movie called Decline of an Empire with its 3.6 out of 10, The Awful Supergirl from 1984, The Equally Terrible Casino Royale, that's the original movie, and the first unofficial Bond movie, coincidentally, from 1967 with Peter Sellers playing Bond, King <laughs> Ralph of... <laughs> that movie sucks, dude. Like, it's so fucking terrible. I'm glad that Barbara Broccoli, like, got ahead of it and, like, started doing Bond movies because as much as, like, so many Bond movies are bad... Casino Royale is like a real dark stain on like a lot of people's careers. But anyway, he was also in King Ralph with Arachnophobia alum John Goodman, the god-awful movie Phantoms with Gigli alum Ben Affleck, and the abysmal For Greater Glory, the true story of Christi Christiata with the Air I Breathe alum Andy Garcia, which in the trailer for this movie is a slow-motion clip of a crimped blank being ejected from a rifle. Just quality, quality work here. Wait, the, does Andy Garcia play a mob boss? No, he plays a Mexican oh. uh, leader who like rises up. Uh, he's a Catholic Mexican who like rises up uh, against the Mexican that's government. Something, that's something. Breaking the mold there. 
Uh, I guess. I mean, <laughs> Andy Garcia is not Mexican, but besides the point, so <laughs> this this infected ejaculate masquerading as high art was written by eight people. Eight fucking people wrote this, Paul, including celebrated author and novelist Gore Vidal, Malcolm <laughs> Malcolm McDowell's rain dance slash breakdown slash threesome with Helen Mirren and his sister scene notwithstanding which he wrote that by the way and producer Bob Guccione is notwithstanding as he took this movie away from the from director Tinto Brass as well as lying to the stars as to the pornographic scenes being inserted <laughs> get it inserted into the movie <laughs> this leaves us with six names of those six all of them were uncredited or had their names removed from the movie, including Malcolm McDowell and Gore Vidal. The only names that remained were Bob and Masolino D'Amico. Besides Masolino's well-watched and mostly liked Romeo and Juliet from 1968, he wrote a filmed adaptation of an operatic variant of Shakespeare's Othello in 1986 in which a Italian white-skinned Placido Domingo donned blackface to play Othello. <laughs> so that is something. <laughs> Director Tinto Brass's highest-rated movie is the movie called Dropout from 1970 with Frank Nero, a.k.a. the original Django, who is in Django Unchained as the oh, drunk at the bar in Candy's Mansion, <laughs> with a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb. From there, it's a goddamn nosedive to a movie called Kick the Cock from 2008. He's done a bunch of sex-themed movies over the years and has a cigar in his mouth in every picture and interview I've ever <laughs> seen of him. I don't give a shit to talk about him. He's awful, and I'll never see another movie of his, nor should I, given how many of them sound or look absolutely atrocious. This used sanitary napkin was released in the U.S. on February 15, 1980, and was produced for an unprecedented, for the time, $17.5 million. So... Given this is a high-budget porn movie that was mired in lawsuits since its obsession. Just for context, that's like $67 million today <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's a, lot a lot of money to blow on a porno. <laughs> so given that this high-budget porn movie that was mired in lawsuits since its obsession, or its inception, the box office data detail is lacking for this title. What I can tell you is this. At one point, this movie was in 1,270 theaters and brought in a tremendous $23.4 million domestically. That's around $80 million domestically. Oh, but just wait for a second because it gets better. Because a $67 million movie that brings in $80 million is a failure. You know what I mean? But hang on a second. You're going you're gonna to dig this. At the time of its release, it was the most expensive independent movie ever made. And in its first run... Movie tickets averaging $3 in the United States, but this movie was charging a premium $7.50 per person, so more than double what you would pay at a normal movie theater to see a movie. To be clear, the $23.4 million that was made was made in one week in the U.S., equivalent to roughly $79.484 million in today's cash until it was pulled from theaters due to public petitions. Prior to securing Tinto Brass's director, Bob Guccione talked with John Huston and wanted Jack Nicholson to play the lead as Caligula. 
I can also Thank tell, God. yeah, I, dude, Jack Nicholson's performance in this movie would have been insane, though. Like, <laughs> would have been a fucking ball to watch. I can also tell you that Caligula was originally supposed to be a satire on power, but the producers changed and re-edited the film entirely without Tinto Brass's consent, removing many political and, com and comical scenes and reshooting pornographic ones to make the film a pornographic drama. The director demanded that his name be stricken from the credits, and he is only credited for principal photography, quote-unquote. Despite this, the film remains his most widely viewed work and the highest grossing Italian film released in the United States. This movie is also to date Penthouse's highest and most popular movie. As for the numbers, I do not have international numbers as this movie was either banned or refused classification upon its original release in multiple countries around the world, some of which it is still banned in. As as for the numbers that I do have at the premium price of $7.50 per ticket in 1980 upon its original release, that means that over the course of one week in nationwide release, it grossed uh, at a gross of $23.4 million. That's 3.12 million people saw this in a week, or 1.8% of the 18 or older population in the United States. It's not bad, actually, for a return. Yeah, that means that 2,456.69 people saw this movie per theater despite its limited release and controversial nature, or a total of 444,714 people per day saw this movie in its original release. I don't know why, actually. Like, I, I know that there was something about like the controversy behind it, even prior to it being released, and like when they were shipping the prints to different towns, especially like Boston and shit like that, that they were confiscating it at the border and saying that it was obscenity, and like <laughs> it had to go to court. And Bob, like Guccione, was just like, "Oh yeah, you know, let it go to court because like the controversial nature." of it being censored yeah, was press. great press yeah <laughs> but caligula has an unimpressive but higher than i thought 5.4 out of 10 on imdb with 33,547 votes it is not on metacritic and has a 23 percent on rottentomatoes.com with a 38 percent audience score the critical score this critical score places Caligula in line with the with episode 40's movie Boondock Saints 2. <laughs> this movie ranks highest amongst females aged less than 18 who would technically be viewing this illegally if they saw it <laughs> with an 8.5 out of 10 Paul and lowest amongst females aged 45 plus with a 5.0 out of 10. So get this, uh, imagine this, right? 45-plus-year-old woman has a less-than-18-year-old daughter who loves this movie. I don't know if it's because there's a lot of dick flopping around in it or what. Like, <laughs> But, yeah, and mom is not happy about it. So she rates this movie down while daughter rates it up. This week, I want to personally bury and head clip every single one of the 2,971 people or 8.9% of the vote who voted this a perfect fucking 10 best and most accurate historical drama ever made on IMDb. 
My vote this week stands with the 1,950 others, or 5.8% of the vote, who voted this movie a 2 out of 10. The only reason it's not a 1 out of 10 for me, though, is the fucking guillotine machine that I just spoke of. <laughs> <laughs> and some of Malcolm McDowell's performance. Some. You know, most of it sucks, though. I, I'm not even going to beat around the bush here. Like, he's <laughs> terrible in this. My favorite reviews this week begin with my favorite critic, the legendary Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. Side note, Caligula was included on his list of his most hated movies. <laughs> Ebert edges, quote, Caligula is sickening, utterly worthless, shameful trash. If it is not the worst film that I have ever seen, that makes it all the more shameful. People with talent allowed themselves to participate in this travesty. <laughs> Disgusted and un unspeakably depressed, I walked out of the film after two hours of its 170-minute length. That was on a Saturday night as a line of hundreds of people stretched down Lincoln Avenue, waiting to pay $7.50 a piece to become eyewitnesses to shame. Original score, <laughs> zero out of four stars. <laughs> John Puccio of Movie Metropolis rims with, quote, The movie is without any redeeming social value. It's bad history, bad filmmaking, and bad pornography, too. End quote. Original <laughs> score, 2 out of 10 stars. <laughs> Lastly, Ted Prigg of Rec Art Movie Reviews tribs, quote, Guccione, in his pursuit of historical accuracy, has instead made a film that is such a painstaking arduous task to watch in its entirety that I doubt anyone can sit through an hour of it without irreversible psychological damage, end quote. <laughs> Original score, zero out of four stars. Not to belabor the point, but I want to give you Ebert's full thrashing, okay? Because this is, this is gold <laughs> shit. It's going to take a second, but just hang with me. Continuing from earlier, Ebert jackhammers, quote, I wanted to tell them, what did I want to tell them? What am I telling you now? That this film is not only garbage in an artistic level, but that it is also garbage on the crude and base level where it, it no doubt hopes to find its audience. Caligula is not good art, it is not good cinema, and it is not good porn. I've never had anything against eroticism in movies. There are X-rated films I've enjoyed, from the sensuous fantasies of Emmanuel to the pop-comic absurdities of Russ Meyer. I assumed that the crowds lining up for admission to the Davis Theater were hoping for some sort of erotic experience. I doubt that they were spending $15 a couple for a lesson on a story of ancient Rome. All I can say is that the makers of Caligula, all I can say is that the makers of Caligula have long since lost touch with any possible common erotic denominator and that they suggest by the contents of this film that they are jaded, perverse and cruel human beings. In the two hours of this film that I saw, there were no scenes of joy, natural pleasure, or good sensual cheer. <laughs> there was, instead, a, nause a nauseating excursion into base and sad fantasies. You have heard that this is a violent film, but who could have suspected how violent and to what vile purpose it really is? In this film... There are scenes depicting a man whose urinary tract is closed and who has gallons of wine poured into his throat. His bursting stomach is punctured with a sword. There is a scene which a man is emasculated and his genitals thrown to dogs who eagerly eat them on the screen. 
There are scenes of decat decapitation, evisceration, rape, bestiality, sadomasochism, and necrophilia. These scenes, indeed, the movie itself, reflect a curiously distant sensibility. Nobody in this film really seems to be there. Not the famous actors like Malcolm McDowell and very briefly Peter O'Toole and jo John Gielgud, whose scenes have been augmented by additional porn shot later with other people and inserted to spice things up. Not the director who removed his credit from the film. Not the writer. What in the world can it mean when this movie is adapted from original screenplay by Gore Verdal? Not to mention the soundtrack. The actors never quite seem to be speaking with their own words, which were so badly dubbed in later that the dialogue never seems to be emerging from the drama itself. The film fails to involve itself in the action. Caligula has been photographed and directed with such clumsiness and inelegance that pieces of action do not seem to flow together. The plot is incomprehensible. The events are frequently framed as if the camera was not sure where it was, and everything <laughs> is shot in muddy, uddy, ugly, underlit dungeon tones. The music is also... Uh, excrapable, excrapable. I don't know that word. Excrapable, execrapable. I don't know. Uh, so what are we left with? A movie, I am afraid, that may be invulnerable to a review like this one. There are no doubt people who believe that this movie is as bad as I say that it is. It must be worth seeing. People who simply cannot <laughs> believe any film could be this vile. Some of those people were walking out of the Davis before I did Saturday night. Others were sitting depressed in the lobby. That should not, I suppose, be surprising. <laughs> The human being is a most curious animal, often ready to indulge himself in base inclinations, but frequently reluctant to trust his better instincts. Surely people know going in that Caligula is worthless. Surely they know there are other movies in town that are definitely better. Yet here they are at Caligula, and it's very, very sad. My friend, my, my friendly recommendation is that they see the great Santini to freshen their minds and to learn how to laugh and care again in a movie. People learn fast. This movie, said the lady in front of me at the drinking fountain, is the worst piece of shit that I've ever seen. <laughs> End quote. Lastly. This movie is unrated by the MPAA in its uncut 156-minute form, as we reviewed here, but an R-rated version exists in its 102-minute version. 54 <laughs> minutes missing. <laughs> so, Paul, I want to talk about luck. How dumb fucking luck can either win you a billion dollars in the lotto or how some poor bastards like Ray Chapman have just no luck at all. You see, Paul, Ray Chapman was a shortstop for the Cleveland Indians. Racist name, by the way. Change it, MLB. This five-foot-tall, 170-pound righty from Beaverdam, Kentucky, who also played second and third base, debuted at 21 years old in 1912. But it wasn't until August 16, 1920, in his eighth year playing baseball professionally for the Cleveland Indians, that... Ray's name would live on in infamy and actually change the fucking game as a whole. 
This beautiful Monday day game in question at Polo Grounds 5 in Upper Manhattan is now the site of a prison. That's right. There's a prison on the <laughs> north side of Central Park. It's kind of cool, actually. It's on 110th Street. And you look at it, and it's like six stories with no windows. And the top is the rec room. So you see like this big fucking chain link fence that's like fenced over on the top, too that they can see the beauty of New York City looking south and the beauty of Central Park, but then they have to go back into their windowless fucking prison cells after their hour a day of recreation. <laughs> anyway, so, and this is, I'm sorry, the Polo Grounds 5 is the, the site for our fateful story. As the Cleveland team, team takes on the New York Yankees on home turf, Ray Chapman steps up to his only at-bat that day in the top of the fifth inning, his first time on the mound. From the pitching mound is Carl Mays, the five foot eleven right-handed fellow Kentuckian who was born in Liberty and was only 10 months younger than Chapman, stands as he is about to start his fifth straight inning of his total eight innings pitched that day. See, Paul... At the time, a spitball was not illegal to the game. If you don't know what that is, a spitball is simply a ball that has been spat on or had petroleum jelly waxed on one side of it. The increased mass on one side causes the ball to flail about erratically, causing a very difficult ball to hit. But Carl Mays must have spat leprosy out of his mouth onto the ball for because <laughs> this particular ball, because the mass was so uneven, the pitch was so errant, that the ball beamed Ray Chapman square in the fucking middle of his skull. This ties in previously with the story of Chris Snyder, who fractured his testicle that you heard about last week, but it gets much worse. In 1920, plastics had not been used for baseball helmets yet. These boys were using the old cloth baseball caps. So when an 87-mile-per-hour spitball beamed Ray Chapman <laughs> in the skull, it did very real damage. As Chapman crumpled like a house of cards struck by an earthquake, medics had to be rushed onto the field to attend to the unresponsive man. And this is where things differ today. Despite literally putting a man in the hospital, to his knowledge at the time, that is, Carl Mays continued to pitch for three more innings after knocking a man out cold and sending him to the <laughs> hospital. While the, Cleveland Indi while the Cleveland Indians did win the game 4-3 that day against the Yankees, the next day, on August 17, 1920, Ray Chapman died at the age of 29 of his injuries sustained by the errant pitch. The MLB outlawed the spitball prior to the 1920-21 season, and it has been banned ever since. We flash back in time, Paul, as you stand in Carl Mays' shoes. Ray Chapman is on the fucking batter's box. This is your 77th pitch for the day out of 120 that you would throw. Nothing could go wrong with this one, right? Absolutely nothing. Just then, you wind up and you pitch this motherfucker to me, Paul. We've brought you a true winner. Caligula, depraved Roman emperor. The screenplay by Gore Vidal. Oh, classic. It's a political and allegorical masterpiece. Very cool. Grand in ambition. <laughs> it's also an allegory for sex. I'm working on the rewrites. I think the script is too intellectual. Our audience, they want the real Rome. I'm talking orgies, castration, great, jizz great, and lid great. cups. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and uh, Shakespearean betrayals. We also great. have cast Malkin McDowell great. as Caligula. He'll set the right tone. You've yeah. seen him in Kubrick's. 
Clockwork Orange. Yes. He yes, has yes. some real guts as an actor. Absolutely. <clears throat> Remember that scene where he beats that woman to death with a giant penis? <laughs> Just imagine that movie, but with more tits Nash. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, we also have Oscar nominee Peter O'Toole on board as Emperor Tiberius. Wow. He has some great ideas for the character. <laughs> Helen Mirren, she's also in the works. And just <laughs> Helen Mirren's also in the works. Yeah, I'm having trouble convincing her to do the nude scenes, but okay. Uh, okay. I have a backup plan. Uh, one right. of the penthouse models looks just like her. We call her Batwoman. You know why? Because in the dark, you can hear her by sound. Her pussy goes... <laughs> ah, Christ! Uh, this, this will be high art... The sets and the costumes will be grand at scale, just like, like Ben Hur. Yeah, we got a giant orgy boat and a two-headed midget. <laughs> the midget's willing to go all the way. Wow. Yes, yes, we'll we'll meet somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, right in the middle of the threesome. <laughs> Bob, 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 put your dick back in your pants, please. <laughs> like Gordon, uh, I'll talk. <laughs> You know what, Bob? It doesn't matter. This is your company. It's Penthouse Films. Do whatever the fuck you want. If you need to kill Tinto Brass in the middle of production, just don't let me hear about it. Yeah, yeah. We got plans for him. Don't worry. <laughs> great. Great. Sounds great. How much How much you need for this fucking thing? It sounds like we could shoot it in a weekend, do some sloppy costumes. Oh, no, man. The sets. We got to... We gotta have two filming times because uh, yeah, we got uh, the the straight time right, and then at night we come in with the penthouse models and shoot the porno and the, the same <laughs> costumes and sets and everything. Okay. So I think we're gonna need upwards of twenty million dollars. Twenty this, million uh, for a fucking porno? No, no, it's going to be it's going to be just a grand movie. Think Spartacus. Okay. Okay. But uh, with more political wit. Sounds great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna turn all the senators' wives into a fucking <laughs> brothel, and we're gonna fucking have all of them just nude, naked, dicks everywhere. <laughs> you know, Castration. I mean, we got it all. You see, Bob, I'm leaning toward giving Gore the money. You, on the <laughs> other hand, I don't want to give you the money. So why don't I just give it to Gore and let Gore do what he wants, and you can chime in and try to put in whatever titillation that you can. How about that? Yeah, don't worry. I'll just re-edit it after the fact. <laughs> it's fine. Take over the movie, fire the director, yeah, bury him in some <laughs> fucking, you know, building somewhere. Eh, it doesn't matter. All right, well, great, great. Sounds great. So, Paul, you had, you and I had seen this before. You and I had gone down this really, really dark route in uh, when we were in college <laughs> where we were trying to find every movie with a fucking reputation and that was obscene yeah. or controversial. And just to see the most fucked up things that we could possibly see. And, you know, how, how did this, this movie, movie has it all, Gabe? <laughs> it did. How did this movie stack up for you when you first saw it in terms of the fucked upness and all that other shit? Because we saw a longer version of this movie. Yeah, I, I don't remember what was different in the longer version. I mean... Certainly, all of the most fucked up shit is uh, still in this movie. Right. That we, uh, in this version that we watched. Right. I think at one point I watched the R-rated movie and I thought <laughs> it was really boring. And then I went and 
Yeah, I think Netflix sent me the R-rated and I watched it. I was like, what's the big deal? Who gives a <laughs> fuck, you know? And then I got the, like, four-hour version. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is a fucking depraved pornography <laughs> on scale. Like, I mean, one of, one of the things that... Than anything else that's ever been done, honestly. <laughs> yeah, one of the <laughs> things that was in that, uh, that other version that's not this 156-minute director's cut or uncut version or whatever is that during when they all jizz into that pan and like the girl is like like you actually see it in the version that we got which is that she like scoops out the cum and like smears it all over her body which is really fucking weird by the way but (laughs) yeah that was one of the many many things that was different i mean there's just all these there's all these little moments that i remember from that version that when i was watching this again i was like wait where's that little moment it's usually like one shot or an alternate angle or something like that that i remember and i can't i don't know what the fuck or where that other version is i don't know how we got that it just like came from netflix or something like that i don't know where that came from (laughs) but anyway so how did it how did it stack up with you when it comes to movies like fucked up movies like visitor q or like (sighs) the killer or last tango or you know, I mean, there's a lot of along. parts in this movie that make me feel ill, honestly. <laughs> like, it's it's, uh, it's up there, man, and it's it's pervasive too. It's not just like one scene in the movie right. that's really fucked up. It's like spread out all over the place in this <laughs> yeah. movie. Can't get away from it, yeah. Yeah. So, in terms of stacking it up amongst the most fucked up movies that you'd ever seen, what would you put this in? Like top ten, <sighs> top twenty. Definitely top 10. I mean, <laughs> having a hard time thinking about now that it's fresh in my mind. Yeah. And I'm having a hard time thinking of worse movies as far as just sheer level of fucked upness. <laughs> yeah. So given, given, give me your gut reaction of how you felt about this thing. Watching it the first time, how did you feel about it? And how do you feel about it? what x number of years later seeing it again i mean when i first saw it i thought it was really boring and not sexy (laughs) i still don't think it's sexy if you're like looking for a porno that has some some class this is not your movie really (laughs) it's just (laughs) yeah uh but uh I i watched it again this time and like i have more appreciation for like the balls that it took to make this movie yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and to just like fuck over as many people to trick as many people to showing up to this thing i mean like it's pretty ambitious it's audacious for sure yeah and i mean like you look at the sets and the costumes and yeah, they're lit shittily, and the, you know the cinematography is pretty amateurish. But right. like they built some big ass sets. They did some really nice stuff, and the, you know the there's a lot brothel. of creativity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's the boat brothel. There's the giant freak show orgy <laughs> display thing. Whatever they fu- what do they call it? Moving statues or something. But right. it's just like one depraved device or yeah like sex show after another yeah, yeah, like, yeah. God damn, how do they even think of all this stuff <laughs> yeah so i mean uh, 
certain perspective, I can appreciate that they did that. <laughs> um, Would you ever see this movie again? You know, probably revisit it in like 10, 20 years or something like that. You know, see see how it stacks up. <laughs> as time as time moves forward you know i mean you talk about like fucked up movies there's like different levels of fucked upness like you know irreversible we've talked about it before the irreversible like makes me physically ill every time that i watch it and oh, there's yeah, a yeah, there's that's... a lot of good reasons for that but i think that the brutality and the fucked upness of that movie is actually justified for its story even though yeah. it's like way certainly over the top. that movie has probably the harshest emotional like gut punch of any movie so this <laughs> this doesn't you don't have the emotional connection so much to the characters yeah so everything that's happening is kind of you're disconnected from it compared to a lot of other movies with fucked up shit so i mean yeah there's that but yeah just uh the depravity of this whole thing is, <laughs> it gets to you pretty hard it is depraved yeah. dude it's depraved like yeah. pretty hardcore depraved I mean, even by the other thing, the other thing I could say about this movie is I think it could be a lot better, even really good if they just edited it better properly. Like, I think there's like a good story in there and they could even keep a lot of the fucked up shit in there. But the way they edit it, it's just like so slow and boring. Yeah. And it's completely chopped apart too. There's like scenes that are like split across multiple scenes throughout the movie that were supposed to function as one that came at different time periods when it doesn't make sense for it to come in order with the chronology of the movie. And because of that, it just feels like unbelievably disjointed and that's part of the reason why it feels so goddamn boring is that when you're watching it, you're like, yeah. you can't latch on to anything. And you're just like, what the fuck? This is just like a bunch of scenes like jumbled together. But yeah, I mean, I, I, w- I would agree with a lot of what you said there. I, I think that it still is one of the top 20 fucked up movies for me. I don't know <laughs> if I'd say top 10 necessarily. I still find it kind of, I mean, it is definitely disturbing and there's definitely a lot of depraved shit that happens in it, but I don't have as much of a reaction to it i don't feel as like physically ill watching it as maybe you do yeah no it's uh, a lot of it's just there for shock value yeah and i think that that's part of the reason why it doesn't work for me is it's just a shock film and i'm like okay sure you know (laughs) you're gonna shock me fine (laughs) but there was nothing to do with like scat play in this movie which i was surprised by that's like the one thing that they could have added that would have taken it over the top for me that I would be like, what the fuck? But yeah, at least they avoided a two girls, one cup situation or something like that in this movie. (laughs) So going into it, Paul, like the part of the reason why this movie is so long, like you said, is the editing, but like the date and verse alone at the beginning of this movie, take a fucking minute of screen time. (laughs) the yeah, verse they like stretch the car like the fucking titles out yeah for, i don't know it feels like five minutes <laughs> but the verse <laughs> alone the verse alone is 46 seconds long like how fucking slowly did people read in 1979 i don't know if this was to like give people like this gravitas of this movie or something like that but like the next <laughs> scene of them like frolicking around in the woods or whatever and the Disney-like score is she's, like, running away from her brother and her tits are flopping out and her ass is out and her pussy's out. I'm just, like, I'm sitting there watching and I'm just, like, 
what like if you wanted me to get this gravity right especially with like the long ass titles and like the the coin bleeding from caligula's eyes and shit and then you cut to this scene this doesn't give me any gravity you know what i mean it like sucks all <laughs> the wind out of that first five minutes that you spent giving me the title sequence but it's also strange to me that people would watch movies like this in theaters or that they actually tried to pass this off as real movies back in the day or like a shock value movie or something like that. Because I'm like, if I had to go to a movie theater and sit in a movie theater while I was watching this occur on the screen with a bunch of random people around me, I'd be like, <laughs> I feel really, I mean, I don't get the whole porno theater thing in the first place. Yeah, you know, like yeah, you walk yeah, into a yeah, porno, yeah. I mean, maybe this was because that was back in the day and you couldn't get pornography on your phone, wherever the fuck you want. <laughs> but like <laughs> a lot of it, I think had to do with that, that like you had to go and see a porno, you know, and like they didn't have video cassette players yet and shit like that. And so, you yeah. know, you had to go to a movie theater and watch porn. And I'm just it's like a shared experience, a shared erotic experience. Uh, you know, I mean, I had I had this one, <laughs> I had this one porno DVD, and this porno DVD was like three hours and forty minutes in yeah, like man. one movie. It wasn't like a bunch of clips <laughs> from like different stars or whatever. It was like one narrative, but there wasn't like a narrative in there. It was just a bunch of random scenes of people fucking. <laughs> And I remember yeah. that I was sitting there and like after, you know, me and my girlfriend at the time after we had had sex and like goofed around, it was like there was still an hour and a half left. And I was like, what <laughs> the fuck? Like, what am I supposed to do with this other hour and a half? Like, God damn it. Save it for later. I guess. I mean, I don't know what happened to those DVDs, actually. Maybe I threw them away, but I don't know. But Probably for the best. Probably for the best, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> Penthouse put their name on this and tried to make this, like, so self-serious as if to be taken seriously, especially since they got Helen Mirren, who was, like, an up-and-coming star at the time. But, like, Malcolm McDowell was fucking, like, established, and so was Peter O'Toole. Yeah. And, like, they were trying to, like, profit on that shit, and I'm just like... You can't profit on them when your fucking set design looks like this. You know what I mean? Like the fucking opening scene with like that multi-stacked like cornucopia of like weird fucking is <laughs> I don't understand, dude. But anyway, so the uh, the opening credits of the blood crying Caesar actually takes two minutes. So I mean that's three oh, okay. and a half minutes between the opening credits and actually getting into the movie. <laughs> But as Malcolm McDowell and the girl talk about shit, we cut to a reverse angle where we stare at her vagina while they talk, like his uh, his sister. <laughs> like, how did this movie take it take itself seriously when this is what they're doing for dialogue scenes? Like, she's talking to him, and there's plot points happening, but we're literally staring at her cowgirl on yeah. his fucking dick. Like, and I'm like, what? What is happening? <laughs> but we cut to a bunch of men breaking rock. Yeah. But we cut to a bunch of men breaking rock for a road with hammers <laughs> and a shitload of dicks are everywhere. Like, look, yeah. I appreciated their being equitable to the women in the audience. Maybe some women <laughs> liked going to the porno movie theaters and seeing like a bunch of dicks out. But cod pieces protected your dick from flying debris. I yeah, wouldn't I mean, work with my would, dick out yeah, like I that. Would would not be uh, smashing rocks in the yard <laughs> with my dick hanging out. Yeah. That's just Seems like it would be a bad trouble. idea. Yeah. 
But as Malcolm chats with the old dude about the ex the executed senators charged with treason, like a bunch of random women run by naked with holding jars for no reason other than to have <laughs> naked women in every scene of this movie. Like literally every scene of this movie, there's somebody that's naked or partially naked for no reason. And I'm like, dude, I know that like the decadence of Rome and like how fucked up Caligula was and like he pra practiced bestiality and he made his horse a senator and all this other shit. <laughs> I know all that, but like normal everyday people in the streets of Rome weren't running around with their dick and tits out. You know what I mean? Like that's what I was confused by. But as we lead into the bath sequence, this is one of the reasons this movie becomes infamous, right? A bunch of women are breastfeeding by the pools, right? Right, And a bunch more naked men and women sit next to the pool. And Peter O'Toole is wearing some fucked up makeup that makes his skin look <laughs> like he has leprosy. So he comes out of the pool. And this is infamous because to the day of his death, Peter O'Toole claimed that he never knew that Caligula was an adult <laughs> movie. But this is the scene that we meet him in, dude. We yeah. meet him in this scene with, like, dicks and tits out everywhere. I don't believe him. I just flat yeah, out don't believe him. Everyone's naked in this scene. Yeah. But I mean, half the time he's, like, staring at a one-eyed monster across the set from himself. <laughs> it's like, how do you not think this is a porno? Yeah, not to mention that his checks were coming from Penthouse Entertainment and not to mention <laughs> that Bob Guccione was the fucking producer who owns Penthouse. Like, how do you work on a movie that is produced by Bob Guccione and you see all these tits out and you're like, oh, this can't be a porno movie. <laughs> like, you, there, if Larry Flint was sitting in his wheelchair behind you on a movie set <laughs> and he's the main producer, what kind of movie do you think that you're involved in? You know what I mean? But O'Toole demands that Caligula dance for him as he swims with all the naked fishes, as he calls them. And even the guys playing the drums have their dicks out. Like, seriously, come on, O'Toole. Come on, dude. You got to know that this is a fucking porno. But we cut to a crotch shot as O'Toole says, my fishes love me, right? As we dolly and we start panning across these two vaginas and then we land. We land on an uncircumcised dick for much longer than we looked at the vaginas like thanks to whoever the fuck edited this thank you for that yeah, no, you gotta love the editing and just <laughs> there's these boring ass dialogue scenes they're like hey, how and there's a dick up? you know let's just get some fucking gratuitous close-ups of whatever whatever genitals we got around <laughs> sitting on the editing floor <laughs> and i don't know if this was like more in vogue at the time but there's a lot of uncircumcised men like just hanging around with their fucking foreskin out and i'm like bro like come on man i don't need to see foreskin they did on shoot this in italy i mean yeah they're not really well like big on the jews there so it's uh yeah it's true they're all catholics <laughs> But, dude, as Caesar walks upstairs into the uh, the fuck palace or whatever, we see a guy on stilts walk by that has a fucking heart on for no explanation. It's just there. He's got a heart on and he's on top of stilts. This whole scene is very creative. I mean, <laughs> the images that you see, you know, you're never going to see him again anywhere else. Yeah. Gotta give him that at least. 
Like the next sequence, which we see a guy <laughs> getting his dick tied shut with his bootlaces as a random woman masturbates, and we cut to a twofer that further makes me angry at O'Toole's claiming ignorance, right? A woman with a giant dildo between her tits as he walks up the stairs. He literally walks by a guy <laughs> jerking off. Like, literally a guy on the stairs jerking off next to him. Again, how did you not know that this was an adult film? Yeah. Then there's the, the woman with the bicycle wheel. Yeah. That has, like, peacock feathers that's uh, Tickling pleasuring her, her the yeah. whole time in the big <laughs> circle. Peter O'Toole kind of glances over that. Moves right. On. But yeah. I think the most damning moment for the whole Peter O'Toole thing is that he literally walks to this girl and starts talking to this girl who is literally getting fucked right in front of him where she is from, like starts asking her where she's from, but he still claims ignorance. Like there is literally a man fucking a woman in front of Peter O'Toole in this scene, but he claims that he didn't know. Oh, and then he talks about the prize of his collection, which is a, a guy with like a 15 inch cock. And you know, he's <laughs> talking about his favorite prize as he's fucking a woman. Right. Trying to at least because his dick is kind of too big to even fit in there. So, yeah, but uh, but Peter he didn't, know was a he didn't know he didn't know it was a porno. But he screams out with more conviction as we are greeted with an orgy. Yes, an orgy, full penetration, blowjobs, people jacking off. But Peter O'Toole again did not know. There are giant dicks in this scene, Paul. Part of the production design that don't help his case. There's like literally like pillars that are made in the shape of a cock and balls and shit like that. I'm like, come on. I, I just want to know, what is the historical accuracy on all this? Like, did they find any ruins in Rome that had like giant cocks like everywhere? Like, that's what I really want to know. Yeah, I was reading up on this. And there's not a lot of like primary sources on Caligula. It's a lot of what we think we know actually comes from a lot of Christian leaning kind of historians who obviously hated the decadence of Rome for you know right. good reason and everything like that. But uh, you know, we don't. I don't think we really know what happened in a lot of these cases. <laughs> a lot of it's kind of hearsay, right? But I would be I would be interested to go back in time see, see this shit firsthand. <laughs> yeah. See what kind of crazy shit they come up with. I want to see Caligula and I want to see Nero just to see if either one of those <laughs> got like anywhere close to what I read in the history textbooks, you know? Yeah. But, you know, th this scene sticks out more so for me because it's the only scene in this movie that features a shitload of mutants in this scene. Like, there's Cyclops people, <laughs> and there's four-legged yeah. people, people with two faces. Like, I just don't get it because it's in this one scene, and then it never shows up again in the movie. Like, the most that we get is, like, a little person later on who's getting blown and, like, frolicking around. But, like... Yeah. That's it. Like, why the fuck? What What are all these mutants? Like, what is this, dude? <laughs> it's just his menagerie. I don't know. <laughs> it's his glass menagerie, as it were. Yeah, yeah. But as O'Toole lands next to the man with the tied-off penis who has been forced to drink for the last 10 minutes of guzzling wine, he stabs him in the gut with a sword and his bowels fall out, right? But... 
To show this, Tinto Brass et al. decides we should stare at a medium close-up of the guy's dick being <laughs> covered in blood and intestines because adult movie like is this a kink that i don't know about man like yeah, i ask again I mean, after doing you know, know. blood gnome <laughs> i want to know man is this is this a thing I don't, i'm confused i mean i did see a lot of fucked up shit on ogrish back in the day shit that i didn't know <laughs> was a thing but that's besides the point so O'Toole wanders off up a very obviously fake rock wall that looks like absolute shit and disappears into as his nearest concubine dies of poisoning. And O'Toole drones on about how one day Caligula will be killed by someone wanting to be Caesar. This is another thing that like makes this movie so goddamn awful is that it's just you're sitting there like, Jesus, man, are they gonna are they gonna move on to the next scene? I get it. Whatever's happening, I don't <laughs> give a shit about. Can we go on to the next scene? And then you think about maybe it, and you're like, plot. maybe, maybe <laughs> cut out at least half of the pornographic <laughs> genital close-ups. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you're sitting there, like we're already like 15 or 20 minutes into the movie, and you're just like, God damn, just fucking get on with it, like please <laughs> get on with it. But so now we have all the classics of Rome that a movie is based on, right? Sex, murder, poisoning, incest, and sexual hedonism and depravity all in one scene, which is kind of dope. I mean, they hit all the boxes, so to speak, at once. But as the hedonists wake up from their vulgarities the night before in the glass menagerie, right? A bunch of dudes appear to smear blood or mud all over themselves as Malcolm stares on and has a bunch of out-of-context images of sexualized violence and blood, including a woman grinding on a barbed wire rope of some kind and a man hammering a spike into a woman's vagina. Like, again, not kink-shaming here, but... This was the late 70s penthouse. Like, I never saw that kind of shit in penthouse, ever. Like, where the fuck did this come from? <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. You don't know why it's happening or where it's happening. It's, it's happening in happening. the same room. Or they just edited that in because they filmed it. And they're like, yeah, where can we stick this in? Well, apparently. Let's do like a clockwork orange moment and just have it in his mind because right. we got the footage. Well, apparently, the men who are bathing in mud or blood or whatever it is was supposed to come during that scene where he's talking to the old guy and they're walking through that like walkway that the naked women run by with the jars and he like wanders behind the curtain and he like slaps some girl who's like tied up and you hear her moan in the background and she like walks by apparently it was supposed to be part of that whole fucking sequence but it's huh. out of sequence in this next scene i was reading a little bit about that but i i had a hard time with this movie the first time i saw it and i had an even harder time with it the second time that i was seeing it so like it was hard to me remember the exact chronology of everything that happened in the movie so when I was reading how this edit went down, I was like, I kind of remember that moment, but like I'm confused on. I don't remember four different parts of the movie that were supposed to be strung together yeah. at once. You know what I mean? I don't know the movie like the back of my hand. But as the physician tells Malcolm that the power, the emperor will die soon, he grabs the first in command dude and, and starts mocking, or I'm sorry, and starts macking on him. Right? Like Malcolm grabs his like dad's like first in command or whatever i don't know why he's making out with this dude exactly but the dude swears his loyalty and like holds his hand in the fire in order to prove his fealty like was this a historical thing that i don't know about or is this just sensationalism as i suspect 
this this may have actually been ass. this may have actually been part of what Gore Vidal was doing to the script because Gore wanted to do like this entire movie that focused on Malcolm's like homosexual tendencies, and like he wanted this whole movie to basically feature gay sex scenes. But like then Bob Guccione came on and like was like no 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 like I, and he like fired <laughs> Gore Vidal and like wanted to do his own thing where all they did was concentrate on him being a fucking sex freak with like heterosexual leaning tendencies, which is kind of weird, but whatever. But as, as Emperor O'Toole lies dying, Malcolm jumps on him to pry the ring off his hand and poses with it as if he is a fucking wonder twin, like complete with just as <laughs> awful acting. This is some really bad acting from McDowell in this scene. But the, <laughs> but the Emperor wakes up and demands his ring back just in time for Malcolm's loyal second-in-command, the same guy we talked about he was macking on earlier, to intercede and strangle O'Toole in what I can only be described as a perfect facial expression to portray the effects of Metamucil on my lower intestine. <laughs> but, well, it's funny because he, like, he puts, like, a translucent silk Scarf, sachet yeah. <laughs> over his face that's supposed to be suffocating him somehow i don't think I, he I don't, I don't think he suffocated him like that i think it was wrapped around his neck too and he was strangling him uh, with it okay All i think right. that's what you're missing sure. there but <laughs> but <laughs> i was the trying to figure that out how do you how do you kill, kill someone where you can obviously <laughs> like how do you kill someone with a fishnet stocking you know what i'm saying like i don't know Anything can be used as a weapon, Paul. Anything. But with the Emperor dead, Malcolm stands over his body, brandishing his new ring to the dead Emperor and seemingly every other reflective surface in the room, extending this already too long of a scene a few more minutes. I feel like just a second pass, just a second pass on the edit could have yielded a much tighter and more coherent movie. Just one more pass. Like, don't fucking just run out with your first cut. But as Caligula assumes the throne, when cheers are called upon from the audience, it sounds like there are 12 extras, like, barely yelling in the crowd. Like, <laughs> hardly an epic crowd reflective of the size of this room. Well, you I know, think that scene, the, the, like, lackluster, you know, approval is supposed to be cutting and, you know, Show Malcolm McDowell. I get, he's kind of a bitch. I get that the in the first kind of part. Feels like he's a piece of shit, right? I get that so. in the first part because he calls for cheers and it's silent, and then he calls for it again and like a little more chime in and then a little more chime in. But even when the full room is supposedly going, it still sounds like there's only twelve people yelling. You know? Yeah, the sound on this uh, is awful. terrible. I mean, <laughs> they did ADR for everything, and it sounds like they just did one take. They didn't bother lip-syncing anything. Right, right. It's terrible. Yeah, it, it's, it's on the level of, like, low-budget spaghetti western-type <laughs> movies. Don't shit on low-budget spaghetti westerns, bro. Just don't not, do it. Not. Uh, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying the dubbing is part of their charm, but it's not charming in this movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> But dude, as Caligula sucks on his own sister's tits, right? He notices a peephole in the wall and he inspects the peephole. 
Then we see a guy going down on another guy because that's what was missing from this scene apparently is that we needed <laughs> to see two guys blowing each other. I'm not shaming the act. Don't get me wrong. I'm not shaming the act. But if you like sucking dick, suck all the dick you want. But in terms of context of this scene, <laughs> this has nothing this to do work. with the concept of being presented <laughs> by prying eyes. Because yeah. when the fact is that they're discovered, these guys aren't even using the peephole to spy on Caligula. They're only looking at each other, sucking each other's dicks. I'm like, so if yeah. they weren't looking in the people. What the fuck <laughs> is this? The scene? blocking and the geometry and the geography <laughs> of the scene makes no sense no either. Sense. I think that's Did one of like, the... Are they in the peephole room? Did yeah. he just go into the peephole room? What's going on? I, I, I think that's part of the reason why I found this movie so boring is that I can't latch on to any geography of anything. It's just like these sets that are shot flat, like against a wall, and I don't know where anything is, like at any one time. There's no sense of depth or like composition going on, so I'm just like, I don't know where I am. I'm just seeing all this shit. So... But one of the things that makes this movie an absolute eyesore, Paul, is the complete lack of daylight used in most of these scenes. Like, it's all, like, studio lighting, but it's ugly, it's flat, and the color temperature is, like, soft white. And to stare at it for a majority of these scenes with this lighting for 156 minutes makes this movie feel like it's 25 years long. I'm like, (laughs) God damn. Like, just please fucking get it over with. But after Caligula shows, he makes decisions on a whim by betraying his general who swore fealty to him after killing the emperor and literally weighing a few books against the scroll to decide something for the senators. We cut directly to a shot of five guys ejaculating into a bowl for Anya, the woman who he twisted her tits earlier in the movie, to rub on her skin like lotion. No context, just pornography again. This isn't kink shaming. It's to say this scene makes no sense and it's just here for controversy. If you like rubbing cum on your body, fine. You know, do all do that all you want. I do not care. But this does not function for this movie or this scene. It's just there for the sake of being there. But Malcolm's first choice when he walks up to talk to Anya is to lick the cum off of her skin. <laughs> and then piss in profile the camera. I mean, you don't see Malcolm's dick as he's pissing, but, like, he's profiled the camera with, like, his left leg up and, like, his right leg down, and you can, like, you're looking from the right, so you see, like, a backdrop of his dick against his leg. I don't get this, dude. I just don't understand what's going on with this. I mean, it's to show that he's, like, irreverent or whatever the fuck, but, like, (laughs) him licking the cum off of her, I was just like, what? Where did this come? Like, it just comes out of nowhere. But as Anya finds out that Malcolm had betrayed his general, she spits in his face and Caligula banishes her to Gaul, right? As four guards pick her up in her cum bathtub and carry her away while she does her best, Liz Taylor reaching out, proclaiming her dismay, which is like some of the best acting in this movie. She's like, no, Caligula. She's like being carted away. It reminds me of uh, it's it's not at all the same moment, but it kind of reminds me of like a funny moment in Sausage Party when like uh, fucking Seth Rogen gets pulled out of the package. He's trying to hold on to honey mustard and like Jonah Hill in the in the package is like, oh, no, he's out of the package. I'm reaching as hard as I can. And he's like barely trying to reach. <laughs> it reminds me of that. <laughs> 
But uh, Caligula's sister says he must marry a woman of senatorial class, right? So she takes him to a bathing scene where even more women are masturbating and eating each other out. Not because this is what bathhouses were actually like back in the day, but because this movie was produced by Penthouse and pretends that it's high art. <laughs> this leads us to meet Helen Mirren's character, Sizonia, uh, yes. right? The venerable Helen Mirren. Who is supposed to be the most promiscuous woman in Rome. And I'm like, you know what? After all that I've seen, if she is the most promiscuous woman in Rome, she must be in some really fucked up shit. Like, really <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> but Caligula's sister leads Helen Mirren to Malcolm's room, and Malcolm cuts her neck and licks her blood, and then proceeds to fuck her doggy style as Mirren lays there. As the cameraman can't decide to zoom in or zoom out on the images that he's seeing. So he just <laughs> bobs back and forth for a little as we cut to perhaps one of the most insane scenes in the movie that still sticks in my head. Okay, this is the thing that I will give this movie is the giant red wall with spinning blades below it, <laughs> driving over men's bodies who are buried up to their heads to be have their heads exposed. They're literally fucking cutting these people's heads off like a lawnmower. But I want to contextualize, yeah. this wall, dude, was 150 feet wide and five <laughs> stories tall. Like, this is one of the biggest props that's ever been made for a movie. And I'm like, and it's in this one random scene that has no context. It's just there. And I'm like, you know, while I like it and I think it's interesting and I've definitely never seen anything like that in a movie before, I'm just like, what is this? Like, is there any <laughs> anthropological fucking historical context for this? Not uh, to mention that, like, there's you know, no... You ask that and I want to know now. I want to <laughs> see, like, what kind of weird shit the Romans came up with for... I mean, they certainly like crucifixions, but I feel like right. that's kind of that's boring. I mean, for, yeah, compared to this, especially for high-profile murders and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, compared to this, fuck yeah, that's boring as shit. <laughs> but I'm just like, dude, if if they build this giant thing for this movie and they're using this in this one random scene, like I'm sad that they never go back to it. Number one. And number two, that it's like it doesn't have any context. He's just there, like enjoying this like public execution or whatever. And I'm like, I want to know what that thing is and like why it's built like a giant flat from a, a, a art house theater where like you might see like a, a a weird adaptation of West Side Story with them like coming down and like dancing off of the stairs in the front of that <laughs> thing. <and> shit. <laughs> no, they did. They did miss a good opportunity. Because uh, the real Caligula built this gigantic barge that was modeled after the Temple of Athena in this lake somewhere in Italy. And they actually okay. found the remains of this boat. But it's too bad that that doesn't make an appearance in this movie. Because <laughs> that would have been kind of cool. I mean, they spent enough money in order to do all this other shit. They could have done right. that, too. But... Yeah. It also reminds me that in the very next scene, a giant cock and vagina are carried during some sort of feast sacrifice at the wedding of a virgin his sister didn't want him to marry. And Caligula says that he will bestow blessings upon this union, only to wander into the chamber with the with the kitchen. I'm sorry, into the kitchen with the bride and groom, in which he rapes the virgin bride and then fists the anus of the groom after using lard to lube his hand. Like, Paul, 
somewhere yeah, no, this uh, this scene uh, sticks out in my mind it uh, does yeah it's one of the worst scenes it i guess is. yeah it's one of the most graphic for sure but paul somebody paid for others to make this movie and to show it in theaters <laughs> to general audiences this is this for me is where the movie turns detestable just for the sake of controversy. Like there's no point in having this scene. It's just there and it never comes up again. It's just this random act of sexual violence that fucking Caligula does. And I don't I don't understand. I understand that like maybe they're showing how like random and fucking weird he is, but they don't give me any sense of time of how long it was since his dad died. Like basically overnight, there's like this giant decapitating machine and all this other shit going on. And I'm like, dude, I don't know how long Tiberius has been dead, but like how long did it take you to build that fucking like lawnmower <laughs> thing? Like goddamn. <laughs> but you know, yeah, there's no, there's no connect between any of the events in this movie. It just uh, could be days, years, years yeah. yeah, you don't know. <laughs> How long did Caligula reign for? Actually, it was something like it was something like twenty two years. I thought it was shorter than normal, but I, I think it was like no, it couldn't have been that long. I want to say it was like maybe ten years or something like that. I really don't know. But Malcolm. Internet. Yes. <laughs> Malcolm <laughs> Malcolm dances around in the rain nude, right? And he has his breakdown scene as he's brought back inside to warm up. And he has a threesome with his sister and Helen Mirren. Four years. Four, Four years. years. Okay. Wow. He so same <laughs> same length as President Trump. Okay, great. <laughs> 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 but he has a threesome with his sister and Helen Mirren as two women use the peephole which was now changed from a black wall in a dark room to a bedroom with white walls tiger sheets and a lesbian sex scene that lasts <laughs> several minutes as we cross cut between the two sex scenes not because this matters to the story but because apparently before Mer Helen Mirren won her Oscar she would do a penthouse porno flick masquerading as a drama with so much bush <laughs> on display this could have been an ad for a botanical society but <laughs> <laughs> Helen Mirren inexplicably does a belly dance of some kind as we see Caligula and his uncle fondle two women two women's asses, right? It seems like this that could be cut and we would never have known or missed them. They don't give us any information, they're just there. And this is like a three minute scene. So you cut that, you cut a you cut the lesbian sex scene behind the peephole, you cut you know, this little moment over here, this little moment over there. And now a 156 move, minute movie can still have full penetration, but it can be, you know, 112 minutes instead of 156. And, and entertaining. And entertaining, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but before we move on, we see Caligula vomit in slow motion toward the camera, apparently because this is the best way to show that he has been poisoned while he lays next to a horse in bed. We don't ever get to this moment. It's just <laughs> his horse is there in bed next to him. And I'm like, wait a second. What was the connecting scene? Like, what? Did, <laughs> how did his horse get here? What's going on? But in less than four minutes, Paul, Caligula goes from being sick to almost dying to well, all because a fat senator he didn't like offered his life to Jupiter to spare Caligula, right? 
while this could have been a ruse, he was trying to get the senator out in order to offer himself up so he could kill him, it's most likely bad filmmaking. If it was played <laughs> straight, it's still bad filmmaking given how long literally every needless sex scene is, but this is so short for such a large beat and such a large swing in the drama. And it's it's bad filmmaking either way. Like That's the worst part about it. But the creepy guy with the bald head is such a poorly constructed character, right? Like his, I don't even know that guy's name, the skinny dude. But he always has some terrible headdress with like something running down the middle of his head. He's skinny as a meth addict. And in the scene where they slowly kill the guy Caligula ass raped, he has a snake around his neck. Just in case we needed to be clued in that he's evil for some reason. But they kill Caligula's rape victim and a bunch of his random broads run up and smear the blood all over the body while laughing as one girl takes the blood and fingers it into another girl as said girl pees all over the dead body. Like, what the fuck is the point of this? Like, yes, Caligula yeah, they, they is... they lost me at some point. Yeah. In this scene. I don't know where it was. <laughs> You don't know. <laughs> they lost you in this scene. Okay. But I don't know what the fuck yeah. the point of this is. Like, Caligula is complacent in all this depravity, yes, but he isn't doing the depraved acts. You know what I mean? Like, if you wanted to show Caligula doing fucked up shit, it's Caligula doing fucked up shit. But having everybody around him just like acting out, it seems kind of like out of nowhere that it happens because we hadn't seen quite this much like sexualized violence up until this point. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Like these, who are these women? Like, where did he find people like this? But as is the case with the guards cutting off the now dead body's dick and feeding it to the dogs. This is just one of those classic 70s shock movie scenes that it has nothing to do with the story. It's played off without drama in the film and it just continues on. Just another random scene <coughs> in a sea of other scenes. You know, I, I, I want to take a break here for a second, Paul, with this movie for a second. Because I don't want to talk shit about it, okay? I don't want to talk shit about um, Deliverance, okay? But, like, oh, the man. rape scene in Deliverance, what was the point of Ned Betty being raped in that movie? Like, if we cut that out, we could still have the crazy-ass fucking hillbillies chasing him down. You could have put some cannibal shit in there, whatever. But <laughs> what was the point of him being raped? I mean, that... That takes it to a whole new level of how fucked up these hillbillies are. Like, and it like not only are they weird looking, and you know, they I mean, they're willing to do the craziest things that you could imagine at this point. So I mean, it ups the ante to a whole other level. Plus, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be the same movie. I mean, you wouldn't <laughs> even remember Deliverance. It would just be like. An outdoor adventure movie, you know? I think I would have remembered it, but, I mean, you're right in the sense that, like, it's stuck in my subconscious and it'll <laughs> never leave because of that scene. Maybe maybe John Borman knew that when he was doing Deliverance and he was just like, you know what I need? I need something that's going to stick in people's subconscious 30, 40 years from now. I'm going to have <laughs> Ned Betty get raped in this movie. <laughs> like <laughs> Anyway, so back to this movie. Like the baby birthing scene, okay? This is one of those scenes that we're talking about that's just sort of random 70s shock scenes, right? Well, apparently, this was a real birth, Paul. 
filmed with three pregnant extras giving birth at different times over the course of production and edited together to appear continuous. Like what kind of fucked up life is that to be born on the set of a shitty (laughs) porn movie? If one or all of these kids aren't serial killers, I would be shocked. Shocked. I tell you, but somehow cosmic coincidence takes his sister slam piece while the birth of his daughter happens. Right. Is this trying desperately to be Shakespeare but can only muster cheap rent smut? That's what I'm really confused by. Like, it just so happens that she dies as the baby is being born, and they never come back to this. It's just this fever. I don't know if it's supposed to be the fever that he had earlier that they told her not to touch him before the senator got killed or whatever. But I'm like, this is cheap. It's cheap and it's bullshit. Like, it takes me out of the movie. (laughs) But and smut. Yeah, I, I forgot about that whole whole baby birth thing. Yeah. Yeah. You 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 don't remember the crowning of the head as they like step out of the way and you see this crowning head of a child coming Must out of a been giant. So desensitized at this point. <laughs> it really this did is... kind of fry my brain watching this movie. Just... <laughs> did this movie? Did yeah. this movie become so pervasive for you the first time that you saw it in its uncut form that you were like? numb by the time that you got to the end of it and, oh yeah for sure because yeah. i i felt like it actually sort of petered out in terms of the amount of fucked up shit that happens like all the fucked up shit really happens in the middle of the movie and the ending of the movie is just like random full penetration and like a little bit of <laughs> bloodletting there's not like a lot of fucked yeah. up shit that happens in the second half of the movie no, which is no. kind of a shame you feel like it should have built toward the third act a that if climax. you're gonna show a climax yeah <laughs> But you feel like if they're going to show like a board boat orgy scene, like that's where you get like the cum shots and the weird sex shit and all that, you know, but like just having it just be like this bunch of people fucking. I'm like, yeah, like it's it, I mean, I'm sure for 79, this was like a big deal. But at this point in the movie, I'm like, I don't I don't care. I saw mutants 10 minutes into the movie <laughs> and now there's no mutants, you know, but. Yeah, this movie really does deserve or like deliver the smut. Like, do you do you think that Malcolm McDowell is proud of the scene where he strips her dead body nude and slobbers all over it? I'm surprised they didn't go for the necrophilia yeah. here in this scene because it seems like this is the most I mean, obvious piece of obvi- cheap yeah. filmmaking to do here. Yeah. Opportunity bounds, but maybe he maybe he drew the line. <laughs> he wasn't gonna yeah. do necrophilia. <laughs> But Malcolm McDowell screaming as we snap zoom in on him is almost as bad as Darth Vader's no in episode three. (laughs) But as Caligula wanders the streets to see the people, there is an extra with a huge erect dick on his head. He's got this huge erect dick hat and he's carrying around a (laughs) bunch of dildos like long dildos on a yoke around his neck. Like just why? Where is all this dick imagery in the ruins of Rome? Like, if dicks are so pervasive in this fucking society, like, where are the dicks? Yeah, one of the one of the great prompts is they have these like babies and they have little baby bottles, except they're shaped like dicks. <laughs> <laughs> you remember these ones? No, yeah. I don't remember uh, those. Yeah, yeah, they're in the uh, in the breastfeeding scene. In the breastfeeding scene, yeah, where the the women have like their their breasts on like these golden platters. Not sure what why the children are even there, but but right. yeah, they have like little golden cock bottles. I did not see God that. Knows what 
I yeah. did not see that. Wow. Rewind somebody somebody <laughs> allowed their child, a baby, to be involved in this scene where they put a gold-plated cock bottle in its mouth and pump white liquid into its mouth. Somebody allowed <laughs> this to happen, Paul. But as this scene continues on, Caligula sees an illustration done by street performers on the hierarchy of Rome, right? And he is angry at the portrayal of him being a sister fucker. And he pushes a guy on the bottom tier of this pyramid, right? And <laughs> none of them are connected on the pyramid, but everyone all the way up to the top falls off of the pyramid. And you can see them jump off too. <laughs> like he didn't get anywhere close to these people, but they just dove off because reasons. <laughs> Why not? How would Rome have been such an extravagant culture that if all they did was acts of depravity and fucked off all the time in hedonistic pursuits, right? So, like, this is a real question. So, like, while, while he was a fucked up dude and there was all this awful shit that supposedly happened under Caligula, if this is the way that the general population was, how did Rome become such a great society with, like, indoor plumbing and shit like that long before anybody else thought of this shit up? If all their If all their... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, all the the old citizens they do all their depravity, but all the wealth and everything flows from the the outer reaches of uh, the empire where people actually do work. Okay, okay, yeah, and just I mean, yeah, stealing stuff from how many else. <laughs> how many slaves <laughs> would they have like had to do God. had to have in order to create his giant his giant dick menagerie at the beginning? <laughs> like, oh my god, because yeah. they didn't have Thousands. like. They didn't. They couldn't have had like regular respected stonemasons coming in and like carving giant dicks all over the place. I mean, you know, I bet Rome had a diverse enough economy that you could be a dick specialist stonemason in Rome. <laughs> you know, like there's probably enough demand for that. You know, I'm like, yeah, I got the veins on there and everything. <laughs> Fucking marble. Yeah. Wait, what was what was the historical event that when? One society like went in. I think it was, I think it was after Constantinople and the fall of Rome. They like walked in, and there's that whole thing about all these Roman statues having their dicks snapped off. And there's actually like a museum in France, I think it is, that has like all the dicks from all these broken off statues, mm. like in one area, part of like a collection for posterity or whatever, but there's literally a museum of cocks. <laughs> they were broken off a statue sitting somewhere in Europe. I can't huh. remember if it's France or what. I just saw that this uh, last week on some news blurb or whatever. A, there's a penis museum in, in Iceland that I went to. <laughs> they have penis specimens from like 40 or hundred different species. Wow. Like, like floating in formaldehyde, and then they have the Icelandic national football team. Like they molded all of their penises. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dude. So you get to see that. What? What is the name of this museum? <laughs> it's just the penis museum, man. Or the why did you? Museum. Why did you walk into this? Is it because you saw it and you were like, "Oh my god, so it's that one is of the, the great tourist attractions of Reykjavik." Really? Like it's actually yeah. recommended? Yeah, certainly you can't see that anywhere else that I know of. So. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, yeah, when, you gotta go check it out. when I'm in Philly, I do go into the uh, the Mutter Museum down there, which is like a museum of medical oddities. 
and there's oh, like yeah. there's like you know death masks everywhere and like they have these <laughs> they have these molds of like all these different skin conditions right that they took from cadavers between like the 1800s and the 1900s or whatever but it's like wax slash like stone masks <laughs> but like they did one of like syphilis and you can see like how fucked up the skin is on syphilis but then they have the whole another thing next to it which is like 60 some odd skulls of all these like dead bodies that have nice. been donated to the museum but there's like ones with like bullet holes in them from murder victims and shit like that and then there's like this one of like a syphilis skull where like it had been eating away at the bones you know like prior to them inventing penicillin and whatnot but it had been eating away at the skull and it is some fucked up shit in that museum nice, man nice. i dig that museum well, a lot but when i took my <laughs> yeah, when i took awesome. my brother there i took my brother there when he came to visit one time and he he got ill like halfway through being there and he's just like i think i'm tapped out i think i need to go back now <laughs> i was like oh well you want to go uh, get something to eat my brother was like no no i don't want to get anything to eat right now well at the penis museum they have a sperm whale penis that's just about as <laughs> right. tall as a person you right. can stand next to it in formaldehyde take a selfie yeah yeah Nice. It's just nice. like a giant cylinder with the penis. God damn, I gotta go to Reykjavik, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, man. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, where, seriously, though, where else are you gonna find a museum like that? That's fucking nuts, uh, man. That's so cool. <laughs> I would totally do something like that as much as I'm giving you shit for it, but... <laughs> at, so as Caligula reveals his brothel, right, we see a street, his street rat that he like rescued in the prison or whatever that helped him break out. We see his street rat protector carrying around a six-foot-long gold-plated dildo in front of him. Like, could you imagine being a prop maker on this movie and having to make so many cocks so everywhere? So many dicks. Jesus. <laughs> but to sp- yeah, but- you get tired. Yeah, get for sure. Tired. I mean, that's part of the reason why there's so many, like, random dicks in this movie, though, is that, like, they're all different shapes and sizes and fucking, like, bends (laughs) and, like, colors and shit like that. I think the people were just bored when they were making all these cocks. But as as Caligula... So, bro, Prop master's like, we need more dicks. We need to fill out the scene with more dicks. Could you imagine that conversation? (laughs) (laughs) But to to start a brothel is one thing, Paul. To say they somehow were able to pimp all of the senators' wives is not likely. I don't know how much, in fact, this idea actually is, but this seems really unlikely. They're just like, oh, we're just going to take all the fucking senators' wives and throw them in here, I guess, under threat of death. Like, I'm confused by the rationale here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think this is... The longest goddamn scene in the movie. It is. And it's just uh, it's way too fucking long. And they could have cut it down maybe like two minutes. To yeah. Get across the same but it's point. like it's like eleven minutes. eleven minutes. Yeah. You know, the only person that I could see doing that in modern day society is Ted Cruz, because Ted Cruz is the biggest fucking cuck in the world. <laughs> this guy's a piece of shit. Fuck you, Ted Cruz. <laughs> But dude, so and now we are treated to the absolute torture that is an eleven minute long orgy musical sequence with four <laughs> notes. Four notes in this song, and Caligula <laughs> repeatedly saying only five gold pieces about a hundred times, complete with a close up cum shot. This movie is so obsessed with a wreck dick that it's insane. Like they featured the dick more than anything else in this movie. And I'm like, okay, penthouse. Yeah. If you look at penthouse, there's a lot of bush, 
lots of bush because it was like big in the 70s and like lots of tits lots of ass too but like erect dick in a penthouse i have never seen an erect dick in a penthouse in my life like out of nowhere bob guccione decides you know what i'm gonna put is a thousand dicks fucking everywhere in this movie i should have counted how many dicks were in this movie actually that would be an interesting (laughs) statistic one thing you do have to appreciate is the sweet ass like orgy boat that they built like the set right i mean it's pretty intricate it's got like moving oars it's like 30 feet tall can't tell how long It was it was hand carved <laughs> and it was the length of a fucking football field, Paul. Goddamn, well, isn't that insane? Go. It cost him like tw- it cost him something like three million dollars for that one fucking boat. <laughs> well, Nuts! But I guess as, that's why the scene's so long because uh, why build that giant boat? Oh my if god! You're only gonna have it in there for a minute, you know. So going back to the dick thing for a second, as Caligula orders. <laughs> As Caligula orders his armies to attack the papyrus field, right? There's a there are hundreds of naked men running around as Malcolm cackles to himself while listening to a conch shell, right? For five goddamn minutes to another goddamn song on the song that only has three notes that are repeated. I think that that's part of the reason why this movie's so goddamn exhausting is the score is horrible in this movie. Uh, yeah, but yeah. when when asked yeah, I about, think I, I zoned out. I don't, I remember just a few moments of that scene and then I must have started dicking around on my phone or something. There's more dick in this movie than I saw in, uh, in rare export or rare imports. (laughs) But like when, when asked about this scene, Bob Guccione, they're asking him why everybody had to be naked. And he's just like, because it's a porn movie. And I'm like, dude, (laughs) porn movies are like. (laughs) <laughs> Porn movies are one thing, but I don't need to. Need, I don't need to see hundreds of men with their dick out, like running into a fucking like papyrus field. Like I don't need to see that. But as we lead up to Caligula's death, he wears a long red robe that is his most extravagant costume in the movie. Right, just in case we are unaware that he was going to die soon. Like this is the most obvious fucking work <laughs> in the movie. But Helen Mirren's greatest moment in this movie is in reply to Malcolm saying, I need sleep, and her replying, I need you, as she licks his face repeatedly. Academy Award winner Helen (laughs) Mirren, everyone. (laughs) Just watch this scene. Seriously, watch this scene and be like, God damn it. Like, God damn it. Like, this is Helen Mirren. Helen (laughs) Mirren, God damn it. But in his final scene, Malcolm wears white, just in case we didn't know his he viewed himself as a god was evident or that he's pure or whatever, that we needed the red blood in order to stand out of his white robe, <laughs> whatever the fuck. But Helen Mirren is stabbed as his little girl is thrown onto the stairs and her head explodes, which is pretty graphic and goddamn yeah. impressive for, for such a shitty movie. But as the last few blows land before Caligula hits the deck, a whole team of guards stab the Christ out of him like he is a fucking fondue pot, right? <laughs> Which is pretty awesome, too. Like, this this is the <laughs> moment that this movie, like, starts getting back to being a good movie or being, like, well-made his, or whatever. Uh, his last words to the general before the general murders him is, uh, scrotum? Is that what I heard? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, was it? <laughs> I didn't catch I that. So. 
But this movie has to fuck up a good ending by having his white stallion run out of nowhere to stand near him and Winnie seemingly in anguish, right? And we end on a freeze frame of Malcolm <laughs> upside down staring directly into camera as we roll credits on one of the yeah. worst and boring <laughs> bor porn movies that I've ever seen in my life. This is this is just Paul, you know, this movie I I disagree with you in the sense that like uh, there's something that's like weird and I don't know like nefarious in some way about this movie that it's one of those like infamous things that I've seen and it definitely is fucked up that like I I'll think about it in 10 years I'll think about it in 20 years but I don't think I ever need to revisit this man like <laughs> it's such a chore to get it'll through. pass pass through your memory and you'll be like one day I mean when you yeah. and I saw it, when you and I saw it like back in 2005 or something like that, I remember being so bored that I was just like, I'm probably never going to see this again. And here it is 16 years <laughs> later and I'm watching it. So maybe you're right, Paul, maybe in another 16 or 20 years, I'm going to think about it and be like, you know, what? I haven't seen it forever is Caligula. But I remember that I was watching it as my wife was cooking dinner and she like would just like glance over every once in a while and she'd be like, why did they make this movie? And I'm like, I don't know. I have no fucking idea why they made this movie. I was watching it. My wife was downstairs sewing and she's like, she comes up later and she's like, were people, I heard a lot of like moaning. Was it pleasure or pain? And I was like, it's all of the above. It was all of the above. I don't know what the fuck I'm getting. She didn't, she didn't get to wander in into any of the uh, infamous I, I think she watched like the first, I don't know, 20 minutes of it with me actually. So she, oh, yeah? she got a taste. So she saw some of it then. No, uh, yeah. She saw the Peter O'Toole uh, menagerie scene. So. <laughs> That's good. Did she check out after the uh, the guts yeah, spilled onto the ground? She, I think she got bored at some point. My wife, the other moment that she looked over was in the middle of flipping the chicken breast that we were having that night. She was flipping the chicken breast over, and she looked over, and it was just as Malcolm was like inserting his fist into the anus. <laughs> and she just like looked at me, and then she looked at the screen, and she was like, this seems like a really terrible movie, and I'm like, you have no fucking idea what I'm putting up with right now. <laughs> yeah. No, see, like, if you edited this for the best of moments, I think you could have like pretty decent, entertaining movie. I don't think yeah, fucked up, I would. But... <laughs> I don't think that I would leave in any of the uh, the hardcore pornographic shit, dude. Like, no, you know, none really, of it. It's... None of it is shocking. None of it is, you know, weird. A lot of it's just vanilla sex. I mean, other than the few guys like sucking each other's dicks, a lot of it's vanilla sex. And I'm just like, of all the of all the shit that you could have put in this movie, of all the shit that Caligula did, all you have is like, the most you have is like two lesbians eating each other out. You know, like that is the most graphic shit that you have in this movie. There's no, I mean, other than the butt rape, which you talked about earlier, but like other than that, like there's nothing happening in this movie that, with the sex scenes. It's like graphic or controversial. It's just there, you know? I mean, yeah. a, a orgy is like one thing, I guess. I mean, that's something, you know, I don't think it's anything to get in a twist over. I mean, people have orgies. That's that's some things that people are into. So what, you know? 
but to think of it as being like perverse or whatever is kind of really really shitty of people i mean the, i think the most graphic thing in this there's, movie <laughs> there's all the sexual violence uh there's a lot yeah of that. i mean that that's what i'm trying to say is <laughs> i think that the most graphic thing in this movie that's worth mentioning in terms of like controversy is like the weird sexualized images that are seen in Malcolm McDowell watching the mudded men and like the girl tripping on a fucking barbed wire piece or the girls like fingering each other with the blood of the dead guy or whatever like that. That's kind of fucked up. Yeah, sure. You know, but <laughs> I mean, but that's, that's two moments, two moments in how many fucking sex scenes, Paul, you know? I mean, I guess the rape of the bride is pretty intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just yeah, trying to say. I'm just li- trying to say. You can just I would keep building this list of things that are fucked up. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I I don't think that I would have 90 percent of this sex in this movie. I would cut all that out because it's just yeah. waste time and there's nothing happening. I mean, the lesbian sex scene behind the peephole. There's no reason for that. Like it's just there. So you cut that out. That's five minutes gone. And like you said, I think if you concentrated <laughs> on all the violence. And all the fucked up shit that happens in this movie, you could stick to that. But if you got rid of all this shit, especially at least 80% of the fucking orgy boat sequence at the end, that this movie would flow better. Maybe a fan should do like a fan edit of this movie where they cut out all the extraneous shit and see if you have a better movie. Because I would be interested in seeing that movie, you know? Just my opinion. Yeah, uh, but I, yeah, I haven't seen the R-rated cut. I actually went online trying to hunt for it, and you can't find it. Now it's all just the uncut everywhere. You can't yeah. find the R-rated version. So I need to see the 102-minute R-rated version and see what they cut out because 54 minutes is a lot gone. <laughs> I don't think that there was 54 minutes of sex in this movie. but There's a lot. There's a lot. So Paul, looking forward to next week, man. What are you thinking? What have you what have you been uh what have you been belaboring yourself upon lately? I don't know, I don't know. So we did uh we did two graphic sexual violence movies back to back. So let's get away from sex and fucked up shit for a little while and move on to something else because we also did uh Fifty Shades of Grey recently, which isn't like a fucked up movie, but you know, it it's definitely sexual. It's and then we did yeah. So let's let's concentrate on something that's more Let's do good old American violence. You know, you've been talking about doing <laughs> another uh horror movie for a while. What what would you be leaning toward out of the list here? <sighs> Shit, I don't know. What do you got? Anything uh on your on your brain? I mean, I thought I thought that that new movie with Denzel Washington, uh, what the fuck is it called? The Little Things with him and Jared Leto and Remy Malek. I thought that sucked. I thought it was terrible, but it's not. It's not an awful movie. It's just so middling and down the line that I'm yeah. just not going to remember anything about it. And it tries way too hard to be Seven, but there's nothing that makes it fucked up like Seven. And Jared Leto's fun in it, and like he he does a pretty good job, surprisingly. But it's just another weird, off the wall performance by Jared Leto. It doesn't have like any real redeeming value. But it got nominated for a fucking Golden Globe, so you know what I mean. Well, they'll nominate anything for a fucking Golden Globe. They nominated two Johnny Depp movies in the same year. Who's competing against himself? <laughs> I was just watching uh, Wonder Woman 1984 this week, and that fucking sucked. Like, I, I had a big problem with that. It's really bad, dude. Like, it's just stupid and middling, and there's no, 
there's no story to be had there. And I'm just like, God damn, like you spend all this fucking money and the first movie, I mean, I don't want to pump up the first movie more than it already has, but like, it was really good, dude. I liked it a lot yeah. more than I thought it was, I was going to. It's got like a very, very strong, like female centric message in the sense that like not everything is about or it doesn't fail the Beckdale test, which is a fucking miracle in today's day and age. <laughs> but I'm like, you know, Wonder Woman 1984, I'm just sitting there like, God damn, like we had one Wonder Woman movie and now I've had to sit through three fucking movies with Wonder Woman that suck, that completely suck out all the air <laughs> of anything that like had anything that made Wonder Woman good. Now I'm just sitting here like, God damn it. Like, why, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep watching bad movies? Because... Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a good target. Oh, uh, Anaconda. What about Anaconda, bro? Oh, yeah. I love that movie. You want to do Anaconda? Let's do it. Let's think, do it. I think it would be good to go back to like that, that 90s like fucking schlock film bullshit that we've been talking about recently. <laughs> There's a lot of bad movies in the 90s, man. I know that you want to stay uh, out of the decades sometimes, well, but I'm like... We, we, we broke out for a little bit. We can go back. I mean, this is 79. This is only the second movie yeah. from the 70s that we've done. You know, like we did Zardoz and we've done this, so... It's good enough. I mean, as long as we're not doing 90s every week, it's all good. <laughs> so... If you're if you're talking about bad movies from the seventies, right? And you were to compare Zardoz with something like this, like Zardoz is unquestionably oh. a bad movie, I feel, in my opinion. <laughs> no, Zardoz is like a classic sci fi movie along the same lines as uh Omega Man or God damn you <laughs> or uh the other Logan's Run, Soylent, Logan's Run, Soylent Green, yeah, <laughs> like low budget sci-fi. I mean, yeah, it's not as good as those, but uh, compared to this movie, compared to Caligula, yeah, it's fucking masterwork. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> it is just seventies garbage, though. You know, that's the funny thing about it. Or unless yeah. you want to jump to a sequel and do Anaconda three. No, Anaconda one is perfect. <laughs> it's got. It's got a lot of great stuff. John I mean, Voight's fun in it. Yeah, John Voight. You got Ice Cube, J Lo. You got all the best, all the best in this. Dude, in this would you stuff. ever? Would you ever want to sit down and do Deep Blue Sea? Oh man, with Sam Jackson Samuel, and LL Cool yeah. yeah. See, I don't think that one is nearly as fun as Anaconda. No, so, yeah. there's a lot of fun shit in it though. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's that's a good one, but. I actually, yeah, I enjoy Anaconda. So. <laughs> I haven't seen DPC in a while, but uh, that was good. That was memorable. <laughs> I think it's only memorable because of Sam Jackson. But anyway, so thank you guys once again for joining us for the Movie Dicks podcast. I don't know, like I said earlier to Paul with us recording, I don't know if I'm going to be able to post any of these Instagram videos because of all the dick imagery and like blatant yeah, sex do, shit going do, do a crude blue crude blur crude blur yeah. yeah just block out everything around me <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's what i should have done i should have done a pass on this movie where everything is blocked out and just had pixels moving <laughs> <around me. laughs> anyway thank you guys once again for joining us this is the movie dicks podcast i'm gabriel chavez and i'm paul Shindle. Thank you guys. Have a great night.